Welcome to 30 Minutes Towards Victory. Hi, I'm Greg Marcus. I'm the pastor of Imperial Valley Christian Center. This is our television program, our TV ministry, whatever you want to call it. 30 Minutes Towards Victory. We call it that because our purpose with this program is to move you in the direction. We get You give us 30 minutes and we move you in the direction of the victory in life that God wants you to have. We believe that the Bible teaches that God wants it to go well with you in this life. God wants you to have a good life right here. He's not just interested in over there on the other side, by and by when you make it to heaven. He's interested in the right here and now. That's what this TV program is all about. That's what Imperial Valley Christian Center is all about. Okay, right now we're on the subject of of prosperity, or more specifically, I've been talking about God wants you rich. And I've been showing you different scriptures from the Bible to demonstrate to you that the Bible teaches that God wants you rich, that God wants you to be prosperous, that God wants you to be abundantly supplied, that God wants you to have more than enough. If there's one subject that I teach on that really irritates religious people, it's this one. Because they have this idea that, well, no, uh, you know, material things shouldn't be too important to us. You know, especially if God has sovereignly decided that you should be poor, you need to learn to be satisfied with your poverty is kind of their attitude towards it. And so I've been trying to show you from the Bible, going over it slowly, you know, looking at different scriptures, looking at it different ways to show you that the Bible teaches. Now, I agree that religion doesn't teach that. I agree that Christian tradition doesn't teach that. I agree that, you know, the doctrine of your church may not teach that. I agree that sister so-and-so, the expert in all things biblical, may not agree with that. But I'm just trying to show you what the Bible says so that you can read it for yourself. You read it for yourself and come to your own decision. Today, I want to start a different section of this lesson on God Wants You Rich, and that's this. I want to talk to you about why. Why does God want you rich? Why does God want you rich? Why? Why? Why does He want you rich? I want to look, well, there's actually a number of reasons why God wants you to be rich. You know, first off, we've been looking at this scripture for a long time. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and uh, verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, so that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And I told you that that word establish, it probably means more something like fulfill. In fact, sometimes in the Bible, it's translated, that same word is translated as fulfill. And so we could read that scripture this way, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, so that he may fulfill his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So one reason that God wants you to rich is to fulfill his covenant. It's part of the promise that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It's part of the promise. He promised them. He entered into a covenant with them. He entered, we could say he entered into a contract with 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And part of that contract was, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to make you prosperous. I'm going to make you successful. And now in order to keep his part of the contract, in order to keep his promise, God has to give power to get rich. And I showed you, I think I showed you in the last couple of weeks that, uh, those promises that God made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob belong to us, the Christian. The promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob belong to us as Christians. They belong to us. So one of the promises that, well, let me show you that real quick, just by way of review. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. God had promised to bless Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And part of the blessing he was going to give them is that he was going to make them rich. And I showed you in the last two or three lessons that that promise belongs to the Christians. So we can see that real quickly here in Galatians chapter 3 and verse, uh, verse 9. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in this book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Here's the, here's the important part. So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So that the blessing of Abraham, well, part of that blessing, part of the blessing that God promised to bless Abraham with was that that we just finished reading, to fulfill his covenant, to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he has to give power to get wealth. So that's one of the reasons that God wants you to be rich, is to keep his promise, to fulfill his covenant that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Another reason that God wants you to be rich, this is really, if I was going to say one thing that I wanted you to get out of this series of lessons on God wants you rich, it's this, that God, one of the reasons God wants you rich One of the reasons that God wants you rich is because being rich is a good thing. Being rich is a good thing. For some reason, Christians have this idea in their brain that rich is bad. Now, mind you, they're not trying to avoid riches. They're trying to get, most Christians in America are trying to get riches. They're trying to become rich. They're not abandoning all their worldly goods and moving out here to Central California so they can live in a cave in the desert, you know, and live off the land, you know, water from a stream if they can find it, food, wherever. No, they're not living like that. Most Christians in America are trying to get rich. Hallelujah. But in any event, they still believe there's something wrong with riches. So the number one thing I'd want you to get from this series of lessons is that being rich is a good thing. One of the reasons that God wants you rich is because being rich is a good thing and God is a good God and he wants his children to have good things. And one of the good things he wants them to have is being rich. Look here in 3 John Two, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Beloved, I wish above all things, above all things, above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. So you can clearly see that at least according to the Bible, being rich is a good thing. Look over here in 2 Corinthians. 
It's a, looking at the scripture slightly different way. But look over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It's one of my favorite scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, I just want to focus on one part today, and that's this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. Jesus was rich. Jesus was rich. Any way you cut it, Jesus was rich. (laughs) That's what it says. Jesus was rich. So being rich must be a good thing. If Jesus was rich, it must be okay to be rich. If Jesus was rich, then being rich must not be bad. If Jesus was rich, then being rich must be a good thing. Why does God want you rich? Well, one of the reasons he wants you rich is because being rich is a good thing, and he wants his children to have good things. Another reason that God wants you rich, we're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and let me show you something here. Another reason that God wants you rich is so that you can be generous, so you can help people, so you can help the poor. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to help the poor. Let me put it to you real bluntly. Most Christians don't do anything to help the poor because they're penny-pinching tightwad cheapskates, and they have no confidence in God supplying their financial material needs. Hallelujah. So no matter how much money they have, they may be making two or three hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, to some people that sound like they were rich. But these same Christians making two or three hundred thousand dollars a year, they're thinking, oh, I'm barely making it. I'm barely. Oh, if I had extra, I'd give to the poor. If I had extra, I'd give to the poor. One of the reasons that God has promised to make you rich is so that we can, as Christians, we can help the poor. We can give to them abundantly. We can be generous in everything that we do and particularly generous to helping the poor. God wants us to be generous to the poor. Look, look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and let's start reading at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Verse 9, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now their righteousness does not mean what most Christians think righteousness means, but in Jesus' day, The word in Hebrew for right, I believe Jesus spoke Hebrew, right? This is written by the Apostle Paul. I believe he spoke Hebrew because he said he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was studying to be a rabbi. You know, he spoke Hebrew. And in Hebrew at that time, the word that we translate righteousness, the Hebrew word tzedakah, literally meant alms for the poor, giving alms to the poor. And so that's what this word righteousness means here. And, you know, just so you don't take my word for it, uh, I I believe it's the New Revised Standard Version translates it that. In the margin, it has that, yes, alms giving or giving to the poor or something like that. But let me read it to you that way. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor his righteousness or his 
almsgiving remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your almsgiving. What happens? Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. So when we give to the poor, God promises that he will increase us. We'll be enriched in every way to all bountifulness. Uh, I think it's the NIV says you will be made rich in every way. You as a result of what? As a result of our giving to the poor. Well, here's all I want you to see is one of the reasons that God wants us rich is because he cares so very much about the poor. He wants the poor to be helped. And it's very hard to help the poor if you don't have anything. In fact, it's very hard to help the poor. This was what I was trying to say so unclearly earlier. It's extremely unlikely that you're going to help the poor. It's very unlikely that you'll help no matter how much money you earn, no matter how much money comes into your house. It's very unlikely that you'll help the poor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you do not trust God to make you rich, if you're not trusting God is going to supply your every need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants us to help the poor, so he wants us to be rich. It's hard to help the poor when you are one of the poor. Why does God want you to be rich? Let me show you. So there's different reasons that we could show. I could show you from the Bible that for God wants you to be rich. But the main reason, this is what I believe is the main reason. This is the main reason that I teach on prosperity is because God wants to free you. The reason he wants you to be rich that's what the question is here. Why does God want us to be rich? The main, the number one, the primo reason that God wants you to be rich is to free you from the world system. In other words, he wants you to be free to serve him instead of serving this world system. He wants you to be free to do what he calls on you to do instead of being a slave to the system of this world. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Lots of times when people are talking to me about prosperity and they're trying to show me that that God doesn't want us to prosper, you know, that he's against those things. This is one of the scriptures that they'll bring up. But in fact, this scripture is saying the opposite of of what they think. And I want to show you that. Look here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6. I like to call this Jesus's prosperity sermon. This is where Jesus taught about prosperity. This is where Jesus taught that God would supply your need, that he'd make you abound, that he'd cause you to have more than enough, that he'd take care of your material and financial needs. Look what he says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. What am I talking about? Why does God want you rich? Here's my number one reason. This This is what I believe is the number one reason, to free you from service from being dominated, from being a slave to the world system. God wants you to be rich so you won't be a slave to the world system. Look here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve both 
God and mammon. In other words, all Jesus is saying there really is, uh, mammon means money. Let's just call it money for, for shorthand. You can't serve God and, and money. And a lot of Christians stop right there and they think to themselves, well, see, I guess we're not supposed to have any money, Greg. You see, God is against us being rich. You see, Greg, God is against us having money. You see, there it is in plain black and white, Greg. You cannot serve God and money. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, then that's the way a lot of people take that scripture, but I'm going to show you in a second that that's not at all. In fact, Jesus is saying the exact opposite of what most people think that scripture is saying. But I'll show you that in a second. But before we get to that, let me explain to you what he's talking about. You can't serve God and mammon. In other words, you can't serve two masters. Here's the point. The point is decision time. Decision. When it comes time to make a decision in your life, who are you uh, following? Who are you obeying? Who are you uh, trying to please? That's his point. So you can't serve God and money means this. In other words, you could have two jobs. You know, let's say you're working at your job. You know, you got your job. You're bringing your wife comes and says, I need more money. We need more money coming into this house. We need more money. You know what I mean? And you say, well, I guess I better go get myself another job. And so you go find yourself another job, you know. And you're serving Slurpees over there at the 7-Eleven or whatever. You're flipping hamburgers down at Jack in the Box or, you know, in and out or wherever, you know. You're, 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 you're serving French fries. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. You got your two jobs now. You cannot serve God and money. I want to show you what that means. So uh, you got two jobs. Now you got your main job, your job that brings in mostly money, and then you got this extra job for extra money. You work at the extra jobs on Saturdays and Sundays. You work at your main job Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you know, 40, 60 hours a week, whatever, right? So one day the boss from your main job, he calls you up and he says, Greg, I need you to come into work this Saturday. Uh-oh. It's decision time now. You cannot serve the man and 7-Eleven. Hallelujah. You're going to have to make a decision between the two jobs. You're going to have to decide which one is more important to you. That 7-Eleven job or your other job. You're going to have it's decision time. Can you see that? Hallelujah. So, you know, he, you may tell him, well, boss, you know, it's the weekend. I, I got another job. What? You got another job? Well, then you obviously don't want this one. Hallelujah. It's decision time. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That what Jesus is saying is that when decision come, time comes, who are you serving? Are you serving God or are you serving money? You know, when the missionary comes to town and he, he needs money to go out and preach the gospel. Hallelujah. But you got this money that you, you've been saving up, you know, so you could buy yourself a 77-inch TV. You know what I'm saying? And God says to you, uh, that, that money for the 77-inch TV, you, you know, your 40-inch TV is big enough. It's too big, in fact. <laughs> Hallelujah. That money you've been saving, God says to you, that money you've been saving for the 77-inch TV, I want you to give it to that missionary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's decision time. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve them both at the same time is his point. In other words, when decision times arrive, who is first place? Who do you follow? Who do you obey? You obey money 
you obey God. You know, uh, you're working as an usher. You're working as a Sunday school teacher. You're working at the church. You're helping out at the church on Sundays. You know, it's time to teach your lesson. All of a sudden, your boss calls up and he says, hey, I need you to work on Sundays from now on. Uh-oh. It's decision time. It's decision. Are you serving money or are you serving God? Are you serving money or are you serving God? Hallelujah. Well, can I tell you the truth? Most Christians in America are serving mammon. They're not serving God. Mammon says, move to that city. They don't even consult God. They, God, should I move to that city? No, they just go. Well, well, of course we're going. The boss said to go. You know, your boss comes and I got a promotion for you, but it involves moving to a different town. You know, do you go to God? God, should we make this move, you know? Should we make this move, God? Yeah, I, I'm working at the church. I'm involved in the church, but the man, no, most Christians don't do that. At least if they forget, if they obeyed God, at least if they ask God <laughs> what they should do, you know, and they don't even ask him, you know, what? well, they're offering us more money. Let's go, kids, honey, pack up the car. Let's move on up. Can you see that? That's what Jesus means by serving God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. No man can serve two masters. So you have to decide who's going to be the king of your life. Money. God says to you, uh, go to Africa. Go to Africa. I need you to go to Africa. Be a missionary. And and you know what the first thought is going to come to your mind? What do we do for money? What do we do for money? Hallelujah. God says to you, I need you to go to China to be a missionary. The first, I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm not talking about drug dealers. I'm not talking about robbers and pornographers and whatever. I'm talking about Christians who go to church. All the, God says to them, go to China. And the first thing they do, instead of doing what God said, they go and consult with man. Oh, mammon. Can we go to China? Oh, mammon, should we go to China? Oh, mammon, will you allow us to go to China? Oh, mammon. And you know what mammon always says? He says, no, 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 you can't be going to China. No way, Jose. No, you got to stay right here and serve me. And so most Christians are serving mammon. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And so you need to understand that so you'll understand the rest of the sermon. Jesus says you cannot serve God and money. And now he begins to tell us why we can be free to serve God instead of serving money. Look what he says next. Therefore, I say unto you, verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. When we read that in the King James, it says, take no thought. Literally, that word thought means anxiety or worry. In other words, don't be worried is what he's telling us here. Don't be anxious. Thinking to yourself, what are we going to do? 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 What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to put on? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? In other words, when decision time comes and God is telling you to go to China, God is telling you to give that money to the missionary, God is sending you to Africa, God is telling you not to make the move in the job, God is telling you to stay here and do what you were supposed to do, God God is telling you, no, I need you there on Sunday, and your boss says, I need you on Sunday. 
Alleluia. Oh, 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 you didn't want to hear this part of the prosperity message. No, I don't like that part, Greg. I like serving Mammon. Mammon's a good God. He takes care of me. He takes care of my kids. He takes care of my family. I love Mammon. Mammon is wonderful. You know why most Christians in America serve mammon instead of serving God? Because they've never heard that God wants them to prosper materially and financially. They have needs. Their children need shoes. Their kids need clothes. Man, I tell you, it never occurred to me before we had four kids how much it costs to have kids. Let me tell you, it costs plenty to just to put clothes on. I'm not even talking fancy clothes. Just clothes, normal normal clothes to close four kids. You know what I'm saying? It takes money. It ta I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Stevie, he's six years old. And for some reason, he gets down on his knees and wears a hole in his pants the day after you buy him. Hallelujah. It takes money. It takes money to have things. And so as a result, most people are, I need money from to pay my house i need money to pay the i need money to pay my electric bill i need money to pay for the gas i need money for my car note hallelujah and so as a result most christians in america have never heard that god wants them to prosper materially and financially and as a result they end up serving mammon instead of serving god because they don't think they can trust god to take care of their needs financially and materially can you see that so jesus is saying to him here don't worry about those things. Don't be, we would say in modern English, we would say, don't give it a thought. Don't give it a thought. Don't be thinking to yourself, what shall we eat? What shall we put on? What shall we drink? And then he says, therefore I send you take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, which is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Verse 26, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather. Now he's going to prove to us, he's going to explain to us why we don't have to be worried. He, he said, don't worry, when it comes to decision time, you serve God. And don't be worried about what you're going to eat. Don't be worried about what you're going to put on. Don't be worried about where you're going to live. You do what God tells you to do. Don't be worried. Don't even give it a thought. Don't even think. Don't worry about it. And now he begins to tell us why we don't have to worry. In verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? He keeps going. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to a stature? Verse 28, Why take ye thought for clothing, raiment? Consider the lilies. He's explaining to us why we don't have to be worried. God feeds the birds. He'll feed you. God clothes the flowers of the field in beautiful clothing. He'll take care of your clothing needs. Hallelujah. So you can keep reading that yourself. Verse 31, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we eat? Don't be worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on, where you're going to live. But instead do first for after all these things of the Gentiles see, for your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. Verse 3, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Can you see what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, you can be free from this world system. What am I talking about? I'm talking about why does God want you to rich? 
Why? He wants you to be free from this world system. He wants you to be able to serve him instead of serving mammon. And so there Jesus tells us what we have to do to serve him. He says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God will take care of your financial and material needs. He'll provide you what to eat. He'll provide you what to drink. He'll provide you what to wear. He'll provide for all your needs. Just be sure and do his thing. Go ahead and serve him instead of serving mammon. And when decision time comes, tell God yes, instead of telling mammon yes. When decision time comes, you tell mammon no, instead of doing like you always do and telling God no. And if you'll do that, God will take care of you. He'll take care of your material finance. He'll supply you abundantly. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his rights, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's, that's the main reason God wants you to be rich, to free you from this world system. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, but I'm not finished. Come back next week. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.